There he goes. Welcome chaos to Chaos Theory. theory. Uh, right there. Yeah, man. Um, I love your hoodie, by the way, Rodney. I'm about to put mine on. It's getting cold in here. Yeah, Anyways, yeah. Welcome here. to Chaos Theory. Myself and Double R got you for the next hour until it's only an hour with Jeff Howe and Double R. Again, Double R is going to be filling in for the seat. You are invited to follow us on our social media platform. I'm at Not the Fake Wags on Twitter. Rodney is at the Double R, um, and or excuse me, the Rodney R. And you got to change that to the Double R, by the way. Uh, the Rodney R. And then also on Instagram, he is at the underscore Rodney R. I'm at the Wagner Wire. Smash that subscribe button if you haven't done so already, and tell friends like we continue to tell you, like our boy Harge always says. If you are mobile. Make sure you are talking to us on that Coda text line, 512-222-9328. And uh, get, in part, get in here and get a part of the conversation. We invite you to be a part of the conversation. Conventionally, of course, you do that with that Coda text line and by contributing on the YouTube chat channel. Anyway, so when I refer to chat, that's who I'm talking to. I'm talking to you guys, man. We got a lot to talk about here. We had, did you watch any college basketball last night? No, actually, what I tuned into, I was watching uh, Draymond Green and these guys. What did you get? What is what does the double R do on a daily Wednesday night on the hump night day or excuse me, hump day night, I guess? Well, you know what I actually did last night. So I was, you know, the wife comes home from work and, you know, is today Wednesday or Thursday? Yeah. Tuesday. Tuesday. This is what I did on Tuesday. This is what I did. I'm all over the place. See, that's how I fucked up Veterans Day last week because I was like a day ahead. Um, So the wife gets home and I've got my, you know, uh, Texas Sports Unfiltered koozie. You know, I've got my little drink in there. Look at you with the marketing. And and she walks in and she's like, you're drinking beer already? And I pull out strawberry vanilla olipop. And I'm what? like, look at this. I'm working. I'm working on my guts. Uh, what do you think? How do you think? What do you think of that uh, strawberry? I like it, dude. Good. I so, like it. Though, when I had Olipop, I had like it was a. I think it was a ginger flavored mm, uh, soda yeah. or whatnot. Ginger, I, I, they I have ginger ale. They have a ginger ale. Is it a ginger ale? That might have been what I had, man. But that's what BK brought over, and I thought it was delicious, dude. Um, I don't know how it's good for you. I, I seriously don't know how it's good for you because it doesn't. It it tastes like a real soda. So I mean, well, and and I think it's like anything else. I mean, I think it's like like with good cheap light beer, where you have to keep it in moderation. I mean, because you you, you buy good cheap light beer and it's like whoosh. I mean, it's just easy to drink it because it's there. But I think that's a whole thing because I don't know, Wags. You may be able to tell me because I I, I try to stay somewhat healthy, but. I don't know the difference between a prebiotic and a whatever. I, I, I don't know. I get confused on all that stuff. But what? Uh, I know I know it's all about gut health. It's all about gut health is, is what? what that's supposed to be. There's a prebiotic, which I think maybe that's what Olipop is. I, I'm not real familiar with it. Rodney, so, I was in the Marines for for ten years. I don't know what pre. I just <laughs> I just eat stuff, man. I, I don't, don't think eat, I they actually Taco had Bell. those. I probably eat there. Taco Bell every other day, like by by almost. I would say almost every other day. Probably like three days a week, I get Taco Bell down my gut. I'm serious. Yeah. So I, I really I eat um I eat gummy worms, gummy bear, Haribo gummy bears, and uh, Swedish fish. Like this is the cornerstone of my nutritional diet. I'm serious. Well, uh, I really don't. Uh, I'm, I'm shocked that I still continue to maintain in the same kind of like weight, I guess, standards. Um, I thought for sure I'd be like 225, 230, pushing, yeah. pushing some serious weight, man. But thankfully, I got a fast metabolism, man. And I've been able to just eat what the hell I want. They say it slows down after 40. I haven't seen anything slow down yet, so. It does kind of slow down a little bit. And and the whole thing is, I mean, it really is all about, uh, I mean, I guess, you know, I do a lot of cardio. I do a lot of cardio stuff. And that's really it. Um, Calories in, calories out. And it's, you know, the last time I went. Maintaining your balance here. Well, the last time I went to the doctor and I've been to the same doctor for a lot of years. He's like, man, you're starting to look a little thicker. And I'm like, well, I'm like, well, you're fucking starting to look a little older. Yeah, <laughs> don't mess yeah, I've with had me. The, I've had the doctor tell me that I need to, I, you know, I picked it up a little bit, man. I well, what I was what one one ninety five or something when I was in the Marines, one around yeah. one ninety one, one ninety five, and now I'm up, uh, you know, two two twelve. So you know, ten pounds or so after the Marines, yeah, it's a little. Uh, 
Yeah, you, you know, it is what it is. it is. I mean, you just have to take care of yourself. And I think a lot of it is. And the one thing that I'll tell people is this dude, I mean, this dude right here, Rodney. So let me tell you something about this guy. This guy tried to try to race me in a 40 after I had double knee surgery, by oh, like wow. a bilateral knee surgery, man, arthroscopic surgery on both knees. And he's he beat me. Right. So he thinks that he's got it for the rest of his life. I'll smoke this dude, man. He had the slowest 40 time on our team, too, man. And he played quarterback. Whatever. I ain't got time for it. Anyways, welcome David Zittick to the show. We, matter of fact, David Zittick is one of the analysts for the Wagner Wire. Uh, was a couple of years ago, too. So we have him on from time to time. He likes to contribute to the show. What's up, CB? What's up, Ruse? Ruse, my guy. I saw you hitting down with Harge the other day, man. What's going on? You got to invite me and Double R over, Rodney. Yeah, Rodney's got to get us over there, dude. I, I saw that. I saw that our man Harbaugh got a gift, and I'm like, what? Huh. I, saw, I saw that gift too. And and I'm assuming that wasn't you know carnations. Or uh, blue bonnets, <laughs> or anything like that. I'm like, hey, hey. So don't forget, we it was will out be of the garden. It was out of the garden, that's for sure. And don't forget, we will be at Academy coming up Thursday from eight to one. Tomorrow, Brand new right? location, right there, right there in the hotel. We went out there in, out in the there. in the damn flatlands. Getting, the, I hope we're inside. I hope we're inside. We are. I heard that we were inside. I heard right. that we were inside. Uh, and, you, know what would, you know what would be cool, though, if they had, like, a gun range out there? If Academy had, like, a gun range to go with their store and you could test out some weapons or whatnot? Mm -hmm. I am a pro-weapons guy. I am a pro-weapons guy. 100%. Well, I'm sure there is probably one. Ruse, let's do it, baby. Ruse is giving us the invite. We're going out the Ruse. Ruse, you're invited here to the studio as well. Anyway, <laughs> to the studio. Wags. studio. Wags, Wags is always telling people he's talking about his studio. He's like, "Don't think you can come in here, but here, here's Rue. He's like, "You're welcome here Ruse, anytime." Ruse has the green light. Ruse has the green light, so he's he's, yeah, he's got here the all green the time. something. He's got the green something. He's, I, I think he's got, he's got all the green that you need in your pocket. That's for sure. All right, my guys, let's get into it, man. Um, we got some Texas football to break down. Still, yeah. we also have some. Uh, NFL that we need to talk about. Uh, news just broke. Um, Deshaun Watson, he a don't. broken bone in his throwing shoulder, is going to sideline him for the rest of the season. Just as you thought the Cleveland Browns were putting this thing together after a impressive victory, come from behind victory against the Baltimore Ravens, who we thought could be one of the top three teams in the AFC to compete and actually, uh, you know, hoist the Lamar. Um, Hunt. is it Lamar Hunt? It's Lamar Hunt yeah. trips, right? Through uh, with, with that Rue comment there. <laughs> What's right on? Hit the uh, hit the Lamar Hunt uh, trophy there. Um, I the Gracie Hunt trophy. Dude, I don't know if Cleveland's going to be able to maintain this now. I mean, you. And the funny thing is that we talk about the parade of Dobbs and and just how many teams that Dobbs has stopped at this past season. He was he started. At the Cle at you know, as a backup for Cleveland Browns. So I mean, it just goes to show you, man. You really do need at least, at least two decent quarterbacks that you can covet. I mean, look at the Dallas Cowboys right now. Uh, whenever Dak Prescott gets to go out, Cooper Rush gets in there, and you you know you can call him a game manager all you want to, but he was able to win some ball games when Dak had to uh, come out a little bit there a couple of years ago, or was it? No, it was last year. Yeah, last it was two year, years ago yeah. when Dak got hurt. Anyways, Cooper Rush is still a formidable quarterback. Um, as the NFL continues to show us, you don't just need two running backs now. You need multiple pieces at every position just so you can be successful. Because at any given play, you know, your starting QB is gone. Your starting running back has gone. Your starting diva wide receiver is gone. And you got you got to have people to supplement that, uh, that production. Yeah, bro broken bone in the, in the throwing shoulder. I think he's in surgery today. Man, he's going to have to get a lot of massages, man, to get that thing. There you go. There, there. Now we now too okay. soon, too soon. No, it's not too soon. Surgery's today. It's not too soon. Um, he's going to have. He's going to need physical therapy. That's for sure. He's going to need some PT. He's going to need something. Um, you know the thing is, I mean, it really was wags to where. <laughs> To where we had really, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, Cleveland, that they, they, they had kind of pulled themselves back in. And this, I mean, it didn't look like Deshaun Watson, you know, when he was still in Houston before all of that bullshit. But, I mean, he, he really did look like, I mean, he's kind of bringing himself. It felt like he was starting to get it to, to come together, right? Uh, and yeah, then, of course, you know, with that defensive plan, playing the way that they are at Cleveland, you thought anything, you know, if, if Watson could could play 
average that you thought that they could make a push for this thing. Now, yeah. I mean, hell, it's knee-jerk reaction to find the next quarterback to step in there because the production of play from the quarterback, I mean, it was it was okay while Watson was out. They were still able to maintain, but damn, Rodney, I don't think they're going to be able to push for the AFC North now. Well, and that's the bad part. I mean, they are totally in the wrong division to have to lose your dude right here. That seems like he's maybe coming around. I mean, you look at the standings now. The Ravens are seven and three. Steelers and the Browns are six and three. And in one game back in last place are the Bengals at five and four. So that's where you know, you know, we talked about to where this was going to be something as the year went on that the gauntlet that we watch right here with the AFC North, they're going right. to sit there and beat each other up. And 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 yeah, a absolutely. I mean, th this is only going to get harder for them um as this goes on and yeah now now you're missing a, a pretty integral piece right there and yeah you can talk about the lack of productivity or the the lack of of wanting to i mean that's a weird thing that we've heard with deshaun watson you know as the year has gone on it's like okay and and i go back to a wax dude if you sit out of the nfl for a year and a half or two years whatever it was you are going to come back and you are not going to be the same you can yeah, watch you know you can be yeah. off a little bit. You yeah, can be off. You're, you're, you you can watch film. You can you can work out. You can do everything. You can keep yourself in the best condition that you're going to be as a primetime athlete. But shit, dude, how quick does this game change? And and I think that that's something that has affected him. And now him coming back, you know, now finally getting to um, back in a rhythm, so to speak. Uh, lack of the running game that we talked about, but but I mean now, <laughs> uh, Cleveland, they're they're hurting here, man. They are hurting here. I seriously. Yeah, and of course, I you know I got some, I see some uh, some texts on the coded text line as well, and also some comments in the chat line here. Steel City might be pushing their way back up to the top. Well, I mean, I don't know. I still think it's Baltimore's division, and quietly, steel yeah. the Steelers are still there uh, off the legs of Warren and. I mean, I guess you can say Harris. I mean, Harris. I still think Warren's the better back out of that backfield right now. But Kenny Pickett still isn't showing me. Um, I guess all the hype that everybody, you know, was heralding around him or all the pundits were giving Kenny Pickett for. I mean, he's made some throws here. He can want, you know, he can beat you with his legs, but I hadn't seen really much. Uh, he hasn't wowed me like everyone else thinks that Kenny Pickett is going to be able to do here. He can, he can throw some decent balls. He connects with, with uh, Pickens every now and then. I mean, uh, Johnson can, can get it going as well too, but it's just too inconsistent right now for Pittsburgh to make me think that they're any type of contender. Of course, Tomlin's always had a winning record or hasn't had a losing record. Um, we'll, we'll see if they can sneak into the playoffs here because that's what it's going to have to be. I don't think they're going to be paving their way like the Steelers usually do to get yeah. into the playoffs. They'll sneak in, if anything, man. I think that's Baltimore's division for sure. Yeah, Steeler, you know, the Steelers right there, we talked about that. It's been a very quiet, we talked about it last week, is a very quiet 5-3, and three, and again, they win again. And that's something that, that you know, again, that's Mike Tomlin. I mean, I say that's a that's a mark of a great leader right there. They've quietly done what they've been able to do, but I mean, when you look at the... Uh, ball games too, right? Yeah, yeah, but, but when you really look at the, uh, I mean, looking at the total, I mean, for the season, I mean... Pittsburgh has scored 156 points and given up 182. So yeah. they're winning. They're winning games. They're winning games in a fashion to where if you get in a shootout or you get in a situation like that to where, you know, I, I don't know. But but now that you have Cleveland with this and and I still I'm with you. I give it to the Ravens. I mean, I'm totally blown away by the Ravens. I've I've, I've apparently had a hard on for the Ravens here for the last few weeks uh, from some Twitter messages that I've gotten. Uh, you know, so it's like okay, and and I'm not discounting the Bengals yet either. Um, yeah, I think the Bing. I don't think the Bengals are out. They're in the basement right now, but I don't think that they're out of it, man. I think they find a way to kind of climb out of this thing, right? That or at least mm -hmm. it feels that way, especially some after what you saw a little bit on Sunday, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and and that's a whole thing to to where we had watched with what Baltimore had been doing quietly putting themselves in position as one of the premier teams in the AFC. And then, and then they kind of come down to earth, you know, and, and what's that going to do for that club? I mean, how do they bounce back? I mean, is that something with John Harbaugh Harbaugh that, that's going to possibly, uh, you know, make them, make them take it to the next level. And I do think, I mean, the division, I think that, that may chase the Ravens down before this is all said. And done. Do you think the steam is kind of, you know, running out for Baltimore here? Or do you think they find a way to kind of right the ship? I, I think, think they just so, had man. a little bit of a step back, man. I don't think yeah. they're actually, I don't think they're done. I don't think they're, 
they're losing any grips on the AFC North here. I just think they had a little bit of a stumble last week. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of I'm not a fan of um, productive losses, as you like to call it. But I think this is one of those things to where we were talking about Baltimore and how they had quietly been doing whatever. And it was so funny though because you and I and a lot of other pundits around the country were finally starting to realize, hey man, shit, look at what Baltimore's doing. And then they're getting all of this run, and then boom, they go down. Who so. Who calls it productive losses? I don't think I've ever heard that term. I'm going to uh, use that term. Quality, that's a, quality, that's a really, quality. That's a really classy way to say that you lost. Quality loss. Quality. It was a productive loss. loss. All right? There's no, uh, <laughs> there's no moral victories anymore here. It's productive loss. man. We, we make up our own shit on here. It's well, like, I'll tell you what, man. You want to talk about full of shit. It is Wags and Double R. We are just full of it. Anyways, man. Um, yeah, so to me, I still think that the uh, the AFC North is still ran by the Baltimore Ravens here. Yeah. Buffalo Bills, we saw them. T- I mean, it, I, I think they're, I'm, the window has reduced so damn bad. And Josh Allen's quarterback play has been atrocious this past couple of weeks. You want to talk about inconsistent play there? That's the Buffalo Bills, man. And you're seeing the record show that. Um, go, continuing to go down the AFC right now, we talked about Kansas City and Jacksonville Jaguars um, being the top of their, being the stalwarts for the top of their divisions. I still think that they hold that um, and it stays true. San Francisco making a splash, coming back with a, an impressive victory um, against Jacksonville. As a matter of fact, that defense looks like it's a, a problem, a serious yeah. problem is what that San Francisco defense looks like now with Chase Young and Bosa on um, on both sides trying to get after it, man. Nick, Nick Bosa is probably one – without Chase Young on there, I would say that Nick Bosa is one of the best defensive ends in the league. Now you have a tandem going after it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard to get anything going on the San Francisco front line. Well, and kind of back to Buffalo. I mean, you sit there and you watch everything. I mean, they throw Ken Dorsey out yesterday. You know, you you run the offensive. The great Ken Dorsey. That's, that's, I mean, you, you that's what you. was going to happen, right? Somebody was going to have to fall on the sword, and it's usually the offense coordinator that goes first. So, yeah, yeah. So, so that's that's usually it ain't the way Ken that Dorsey's hammers. fault. It's Josh Allen's fault. Josh it's Allen got Ken Dorsey fired. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I mean, the lack of productivity right there, and that's where it was Sean McDermott. That's where you got to know that the heat's kind of starting to, that heat in that kitchen right there that we talk about, you know, they're turning that gas on right there because something obviously, they, they are so far below expectations. And I mean, it's one thing, it's one thing, yeah, you're losing ball games or whatever, but, but, but man, the expectations versus the on-field product that we're seeing right here. Dorsey's just the first one in line that's going to go right here. Right, I mean, right. Josh Allen, we can talk about that, you know, all we want. But uh, I really think, Wags, you and I, we called it at the beginning of the year to where that that window, that window of opportunity for Buffalo is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And when you start throwing the OC out, that that to me right there is somebody just came in and closed that thing just a little bit more. And the shit's about to hit the fan here, depending. That's a five and five football team. And that's and that's a damn shame because that team should be a lot yeah, they were better AFC than contenders five. just two years ago, right? Or not even two years ago, last year. Uh, they're yeah. AFC contenders. If I were to tell you, um, we, we talk about impressive rookies, right? And you'd think that maybe C.J. Stroud could con- could potentially be rookie of the year. Rodney, am I crazy to sit here and say that if the Texans continue to win just a little bit more, that C.J. Stroud could potentially be an MVP candidate and not just a rookie of the year candidate. Am I pressing too hard? Am I getting it too, you know, too forward to my skis here? I, no. This kid is playing phenomenal. He's got two come from behind victories so far that I can, that I can think of probably maybe more. I got to go back and, and look at this, uh, but he's not playing like a rookie quarterback. He's actually playing like a wily veteran. My man, he's, he's in the convo. He is in the combo right now for that, and and I got to tell you the one thing that I mean, obviously they come from behind wins and 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 what he's doing, I mean it's very impressive. But the, it's the little things, it's the intangibles that I sit when I go back and I Ooh, watch intangibles. It, Listen to you, you were you in the front office now, the intangibles. Yeah, you know I may I may be up for a job, you know, at a Canadian Football League team as uh, being a front office guy. But uh, you know, he, here's one of the things that that I think is is so impressive with him that that I watch him. And, and for once, I don't even know. I, I'm so intrigued at this that, that I'm going back and and watching Houston games. Shit, I haven't done that since the Houston Oilers. Man, his um 
his post snap reads are really good, and we see so many so many quarterbacks struggle with this. Yeah, yeah, and and the lack thereof it with with going through the progressions where we see a lot of guys that have been in the league for a long time and they struggle with that. And again, this is not saying that 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 is something easy to do. Shit, I couldn't do it. But this kid, this kid with what he's doing right now, checking off receivers and finding, and again, Dalton Schultz, I think right here is something that that is uh, extremely good. For him, Brown, Hank Dell. I mean, it, I mean, yeah. uh, you would you would think that that the wide receiver room for the Texans really wasn't in a a position to make no. such of a you know a potential offense or a potent offense, right? But I mean, you you take the pieces like this and put them all together. My God, Rodney, we've had we got one of the most explosive offenses that we've seen in the past three weeks. Add that with the defense that they're playing on, you know, top tier right now. The Texans are. I can't believe I'm saying this, man. The Texans are are, are, are a team that's actually <laughs> worth a shit. They're a team that can actually be a contender here, especially if, if C.J. Stroud continues to play at this high level, man. And that's what it comes down to. We, we talk about it all the time. Um, you know, the play, you know, the consistency level of the play of quarterback play in the NFL, right? That's what drives a good league, right? And so far, it's been inconsistent in the NFL. It's kind of been down. That's why I thought that you've seen a better product on the field with college gridiron, right? You just mm-hmm. see better quarterback play at the college level. I'm down right now on, on quarterback play in the NFL, but this is a young man, CJ Stroud, that is just doing it on all, not, not just at a, at a rookie of the year season, but yes, at an MVP candidate level. Yeah, and, and I mean, we, we are nine games into the season right now. And you got a Texans team that, that I mean, just a couple of things that, that I would have never foreshadowed in this going into this campaign. Number one, you're over 500. You're a game over 500. I mean, you're five and four. You're one game back on the ass of the yeah, Jacksonville yeah. Jaguars that you have already beaten and that was supposed to be, you know, with Trevor Lawrence and, and the pieces in place there, that that they were going to be the runaway winner of the AFC South. And here are the Texans, dude. And, and this is this is year one of D'Amico Ryan's. This is year one of this quarterback that that is coming in and doing things. And it really is, man. It, it really is so much of of what so much of what I'm impressed with with him. Those intangibles I'm talking about. That's the shit you can't teach. You you can teach him a lot of things when you get him in the system, man. This is just stuff that you're a natural born quarterback and this dude has it all. And that's where I go back and I, and I laugh, you know, where it's like last year where you get to the end of the season and everybody's frowning on, uh, you know, Lovey Smith and Houston. God dang it. You can't even do that. Right. You can't even, you can't even lose a game. Right. Well, shit. They're looking pretty damn good right yeah. now with that decision, right? No doubt. That's for sure. Hey, let's sling it over to college basketball real quick. There was a, a, a really good basketball game on last night. I don't know if you watched it or not, but Kentucky, number 17 Kentucky, squared off against number one in the nation, Rock Chalk, Kansas Jayhawks here in Chicago. Um, it looked like Kentucky was going to boat race yeah, the number one team in the land for almost 30 minutes, for at least 30 minutes of the night until the, the final 10 minutes of the contest there when Dickinson just started to go off, man. Kentucky's got some dudes. Kentucky's mm-hmm. got a really good young team. Of course, Calipari usually puts together really good, impressive young squads, right? It's just, can he keep these young squads together? How long can this team be a unit, right, and continue to grow? Usually, you know, with Kentucky, the turnover is pretty quick there. Yeah. Uh, however, the Jayhawks, they were down. They found themselves in one hell of a battle last night. But Dickinson, 21 points last night and then 20 boards as well. Excuse I think I have that right. Um, excuse, 27 points, 21 rebounds last night to bring his team back, to bring the Jayhawks back and continue to be the number one team in the land. Um, Big 12 basketball, it's going to be tough. We like to think that the, that the Texas Longhorns can make a run at this thing, but until you dethrone the champions consistently, I don't know, man. They like Kansas reloaded a little bit, but Bill Self has those boys playing, man. I thought that they were actually going to get stolen last night. I thought some, you know, the victory was going to be taken away from them, but damn, they were the ones that did the stealing, man. They looked pretty good. Both teams looked great last night. College, but college basketball is back, baby. Let's go. Dude, man. I don't know if you guys are rolling, yeah. but I'm pumped, man. Put a one in the chat if you're pumped, man. 89-84. I mean, that's a damn good college basketball game right there. And I'll tell you, with what ESPN did last night, I mean, what a smarter way 
to get people to get eyes on early season college basketball. Let's have two good games, and right in between, let's drop that college football playoff thing. It's like, man, that, that's a no-win right there. But that that is the thing, man, with Kansas, you, you know, Texas tonight at, at the Mood, taking on Rice, you know, so obviously our eyes will be on that uh, with an 8 o'clock start right there. You know, Duke over Michigan State last night. So, so you, you had some nice early season uh, – and that's, dude, that's what I love about college basketball. When do you usually get into college basketball? Like, when do you finally, like, you can't miss a game? Or when do you see, when do you feel like it's appointment setting television? Like, you can't miss a game at all. I really think it's, Is it it's when the long right, getting, like, conference play. No, not not so much for me. It, it's usually around the time that what I love about college basketball is like when you start having these 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 preseason not not preseason these early season tournaments because that's a thing to where you can get a really good gauge. It seems like to how like good how you get really good out of conference games too, yeah. right? You get some like seventeens yeah. versus ones, yeah. or you, you get like a Gonzaga yeah. versus Texas it, or a Gonzaga versus Duke in some traditional tournaments. And how good is your basketball team? I mean, the expectations that you have for your basketball team and. And you get into one of these tournaments, like when Texas goes to Hawaii or New York and all these different places, and it's like, boom, you get these damn early season matchups. And that, and, and I think that's the beauty of it to me. And, and I know football and basketball, it's a whole different animal right here. But, man, that's the thing with college basketball is that I like is that you can go in there, you get in the early season, you get beat by a couple of really good teams. And you know what? As the season goes on, it's not really going to hurt you. Where with football, you fuck up and stub your toe once. Right. Or, or twice, and then you're done. And that's why we're having this whole one loss. Who's the best one loss team in college football? You don't have that problem in college basketball. No. And speaking of which, we uh we got some new. There's some new rankings there. Are you are you a fan of Georgia jumping up and getting the one spot over Ohio State, or do you think that the Buckeyes should have been able to claim that and hold that down? I'd love your opinion as well, Wags. But but I think to me, I know Jeff and I were talking about this yesterday. I mean, I really feel that Georgia is the best team in college yeah. football right now. And and you know, I know that you and I have gone back and they forth. They have the best resume. Kind of like, they have the best resume right now. Georgia yeah, does. Yeah, they really do. And and the whole I think, thing is, I think Michigan's. From what I've seen, my eyes tell me that Michigan is the best team. I would love to see Georgia and Michigan play. Oh, I really absolutely absolutely and it, i think so much of this comes down to you really watch with georgia man when they put their foot on the gas it's like okay that's that's the georgia team we're waiting for and you know we go back to the conversation that you and i have had endless times throughout the duration of chaos theory here on texas sports unfiltered is this year you never know what you're going to get from week to week with these teams i mean everybody's been in a nail biter you know, you you, you right. can talk about you can talk about style points. You can talk about quality of wins and all that. But shit, man, go down the list. Who hasn't been in in something really close? In something Texas really close? has been in Texas has been in three several three <laughs> several. Close contests right now. Two of them that I would say that are arguably unnecessarily unnecessary. Yeah, last week was clearly unnecessary. Didn't need to be in that. But these are the. If we didn't have the head-to-head against Alabama, I don't even know if we'd be, you know, around 10, to be honest with you. Uh, or, yeah, we'd be in the top 10. But, I mean, hell, Alabama would surpass us because they're playing a lot better than we are. That's the only thing that's kept us ahead of Alabama has been the head-to-head victory there. But, I mean, you want to you, you want to go to the tail of the tape, right, talk about the best team that's playing right now. It, it, it kind of has to be Georgia, especially over that impressive victory that they had over Ole Miss. Uh, last um, last Saturday, man. In, in fact, you know, putting up 52 points on that defense. I mean, yeah. I mean, sure, of course, Ole Miss is known for the offense and stuff. And but I mean, hell, they played they played Alabama very well, and they kept that a tight ball game. We know that Georgia is a clear stalwart if they're able to beat the hell, beat the brakes off of Ole Miss like they did this past Saturday. Of course, yeah. you know, everybody shows up differently on Saturday, and teams match up differently. I know that, but still. You can't lie to the eye in the sky, and right now it tells me that Georgia is playing some pretty damn good ball. Yeah, yeah, you know they are, and 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 the thing is, Wags with the undefeated teams. I mean, go, go, go there. I mean, Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State, Washington. I mean, how do you argue with that? I mean, yeah, you, you I mean, can't I think argue they got it right. Like Georgia, Georgia's number one. I would say, of course, they're not going to give Michigan this, but. Georgia one, Michigan two for right now, and then Ohio State three until they that plays out uh, in two weeks. So it, it sucks. Again, I, I'm going to be a broken record. It sucks that we're not going to see J- 
Jim Harbaugh versus Ryan Day in two weeks. That's what really fucking sucks. <laughs> And and that's, you know, that whole situation right there, I mean, that, that only adds intrigue to all of this to where, you know, how, how is this going to, I mean, does somebody sit there and stumble or, or whatever along the way? I, I mean, I, I do like the fact that Georgia did uh, surpass uh, Ohio State right there um, because it is. I mean, it, it's deserved. It's deserved. And, and again, once you get once you get two and three playing each other, um how does that affect Georgia? And it's like, it's not going to affect Georgia because Georgia's just going to keep on fucking doing what they're doing. Um, the more intriguing stuff to me right now, Wags, really is the one loss teams. You were you right. Know? Yeah. And that's so I was right? going down, I was going down the list and I was, I was looking at it. Right. And I kept thinking, you know, I kept putting Texas up against teams that were ahead of them. And hell, I, you know, I even asked if, you know, if they went up against Alabama again, would we be able to beat Alabama? couldn't give a confident yes, right? An emphatic yes about beating Alabama. Um, if we played Penn State, I don't know if we could beat Penn State because Penn State's defense is so damn fast and and yeah. we don't know how to play big. We only know how to play. We, we, we can't score and push it in on the goal line. When I say we, I'm talking about the Texas Longhorns. Right. It feels like the Longhorns only know how to score when they're in space. Or beat, you know, beat one-on-ones, you know, through speed or whatnot and not be a physical dominant team. From what I saw from Michigan, when you go out there and run the damn ball all second half, you know, I mean, you you can show that you're a dominant, you're you're a dominant force. When the all when the defense knows what's coming and you're still being able to execute, you're still able to execute, you know, yeah. you're one of the best football teams in the land. When you can play multiple, multiple styles of football, you're one of the best teams in the land. I don't think Texas can do that. So I sit here and put Texas up against Oregon. I think that they got a better shot against Oregon because it's. I don't think Oregon has that has that mass that can win in the interior there. I mean, they got some big dudes, but usually um, they're known for their speed, right? I think Texas can actually, you know, certify dominance in that game. Florida State, I think they can get Florida State. Um, but when it comes to, hell, man, when it comes to you know, Michigan, I, I just, I don't see the same type of productivity that Penn State can put together against Michigan that the Longhorns can, uh, or excuse me, the, vice versa. I don't think that the Longhorns can put together the same type of productivity uh, that Penn State did against Michigan. I do not see us competing with Georgia the way that they fought against Ole Miss, what, 52 to 17. Um, mm -hmm. I think that that could be an ugly game if we played Georgia right now as it stands. Um and also, uh, Ohio State. You know, I think Ohio State would get us too. So, I had a lot of a lot of fantasy. You know, a lot of hype. You know, thinking that the Longhorns would be able to to actually solidify this thing and be the best team in the land. But from what I'm seeing, man, we got to clean some things up. And you can't win if you can't if you can't finish drives and you can't score on the goal line, Rodney. Well, and that's and that's the uh, I guess the beauty of the hypothetical. You know, that we can sit here and talk about all these you know teams going up against each other. You know, the Texas-Alabama conversation, if they played again, who would win? Well, I mean, right now, I think I'd probably lean on Alabama because now Jonathan Brooks is not in. It is not going to be in the yeah, starting Milner lineup. is playing fantastic. Milner yeah, is not just a one-dimensional right, quarterback. Right, but that's that's the beauty of this where you kind of attribute this to, to a video game world to where it's like, yeah, both teams 100% doing what they do best. Yes, th these would be fantastic matchups. But as this season has gone on, I happen to think, in my opinion, um, of all of them, Florida State will be the most susceptible um, to get beat by one of these other groups. Right. Because everybody else seems pretty damn sound to me. I think we could beat Florida State. I think so, too. Like, even now. Like, even now with, with you know, some missing pieces in place. I think, better, I think Alabama is better than Florida State. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and here's what I was thinking about the other night where it's like when we were talking about Michigan running the ball in the second half, you know, you know, that's all they did in that contest. Imagine doing that against the Texas front. Yeah. That's in that whole perfect world where it's like, right. God, now that I would love to see. Now that um, I would love to see. And also we got to keep in mind, too, right? Like um, Florida State's got the win over LSU. But I don't think LSU was the same type of team at the beginning of the year as they are now. I, for some reason, I just feel like LSU is, well, not just for some reason, you can tell by the statistics and you can tell by week in, week out, 
uh, LSU has been has been playing lights out, man. They're way better than the team that we saw showcased in the beginning of the year against Florida State. So, to me, um, you know, sometimes you can't take what you see at first uh, at first glance or at first hand at the beginning of the season because that that team really finds the best type of progress between what week one and two is like we always say that old adage, right? You, yeah, the best uh, the best type of success or the or the the biggest success that you have is usually from week one to week two. All right, my guy, that's some college football, man. We got some more college football to talk about with the Longhorns, of course, in a couple of minutes here. But let's hear from our friends from Covert Bee Cave. That's right. Covert Bee Caves. CovertBeeCave.com. That is the spot to hit right there uh, for your latest um, pre, pre-owned new car, truck, SUV specials. All of that uh, are great friends out there. They are going to take care of you guys. 42 acres of beautiful three state-of-the-art dealerships nestled out in the hill country here in uh, in the Austin, Texas area. Take that beautiful drive out 71 and go um, go enjoy all the sites and go check out the great uh, dealerships right there. Buicks, GMCs, Cadillacs, Chryslers, Dodge, Jeeps, and Rams, all of that right there for you. The uh, Fords and Chevrolets out Highway 79 on your way to Hutto. On your way to go see us at Academy, on your way there or on your way back, stop and check out the great deals right there um, at Covert uh, Ford and Chevrolet and Hutto. The Fords and the Lincolns, the staples out here on 183 or Research Boulevard, however you want to call it. Same, same difference. Um, and and your um, all of your maintenance, uh, let, Covert, let Covert BK take, take care of that for you guys. 86 service bays in and out the door. You're not going to sit. You don't have to uh, revolve your whole day around being at the dealership. They're going to take care of you guys. It is Covert Bee Cave, covertbeecave.com. Do stop by, see our man Dan Covert and all the great folks there. The Covert family doing it since 1909, serving Central Texans for decades and decades. And remember, nobody beats a Covert deal, not now, and sure as hell, not ever. Covertbeecave.com. No, they don't. And audiovisual consultations is another partner of us as well. For the past 35 years, they've been setting the standard with audiovisual automation in the Austin Central Texas area since 1988. No jobs too big, no jobs too small. You guys know that old adage that we throw at you every time that we tell you about audiovisual consultations. 512-255-8678 or avconsultations.com. There, on their website, you can find a gallery of projects that they've done over the past 35 years so that you can get an idea of what you might want in your house. If you don't know so already, I give you a really good idea by showing and flexing these flat screen TVs that you see on your screen right now. And also those arcade units. Tom McKay's got those as well. Just ask him about them. He can get those assembled for you in your house and make a awesome, awesome video game man cave for you if you want that. And... Downstairs, I have that dream theater system that you got to have for movie nights, excellent movie nights, or if you're going to watch some trash TV, like Below Deck and all that kind of stuff, it's fantastic. I'm a big sci-fi guy. I love the dream theater system for that. All the Marvel movies, all the Star Wars movies, Bubba Fett, all that shit, man. Get it with audiovisual consultations. 512-255-8678. That's 512-255-8678. AVConsultations.com. Oh, hey, by Wags. the way, Rob. Yeah. For the Wagner Wire, we're introducing a new segment. It's a hockey segment, and Tom McKay will be on from time to time. Hopefully, he's on most of the time for the segment. It's going to be called No Pucks Given. Yeah, baby. Bringing him on for the Wagner Wire on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Dude, I like like to say that I'm the fantasy guru, the fantasy guy, and I talk about this from time to time, man. I don't know how McKay does it, but he's he's got an algorithm. And usually it's it's done by, you know, who's got the, the best people between the pipes. We know that, right? The best goaltenders and the best goalies, usually not just one, two. If you have two decent goalies, you're going to go pretty deep into uh, Lord Stanley's playoff there. So yeah. Yeah. Um, make sure you guys are getting the news and nuggets, not just for audiovisual automation from Tom, but also for your NHL stuff as well. He melts let me, the let me tell time. you, let me tell you, Ag, something that is going to be really cool to watch this. Obviously you got the Texas game on, on Saturday night, but right about the time that that ends and depending on the post game show here on Texas sports unfiltered right around the time, all of that ends, man, on one of those Tom McKay displays formula one in Las Vegas. There and we go. How great is that going to look on one of those Tom McKay setups? Dude, that race starts at midnight. Starts at midnight our time. The sights and sounds. Now, I I did see that. I thought that was a typo, though. I was wondering why they do the race at midnight, man. Has it always been? Is it traditionally at midnight? 
It all well. This is the first time. This is the first uh, the inaugural Las Vegas Grand Prix. Uh, you know, racing around the strip and all Wait, of that. But but our our race is traditionally at midnight. Our race is held. No, traditionally no. At it, it's okay. usually it's usually a mid morning, early afternoon. Like here at Coda, you get a one thirty, two o'clock race, whatever the case is. I know a lot of times, you know, depending where the race is at, you turn that on Sky Sports, and you may have to watch it at two in the morning because of the time difference. You know, wherever right. uh, you know right. wherever the race is at. But this is seriously so. So what's so? What is that? That's nine o'clock. What are we? Three hours. So that's nine o'clock p.m. in Vegas that you were starting that race. We get it at midnight. We get it at midnight here. No, One o'clock. Three hours. We're not three hours ahead of Vegas. We're two hours ahead of Vegas, aren't we? Well, we're two hours. Okay, so they so they start at in Vegas on Mountain Time. I don't know what the I I, I thought we were behind. I thought I thought Vegas was on Mountain Time. I could be wrong. So, somebody can we're tell. On Central us. Time. I know. Denver's on Mountain Time. Vegas could yeah. be on West Time, or maybe they, Vegas they, is on Vegas. They are on West Time. They are on Vegas West is time. on Vegas time. But, Let's be real. But yeah, no shit. But dude, midnight, midnight. Chat, look that up. Vegas, chat, look that up. Is Vegas on? Is Vegas on Western Time or is Vegas on Mountain Time? We're oh. too busy talking about Vegas right now to look it up. You, you guys, look it up. Let us. Yeah, know. yeah. You guys tell us. You guys tell us. But dude. That is going to be that's going to be some kind of atmosphere that's going to be going on. So once you get done with that Texas football game, catch the post game show right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Then flip over to I guess ESPN. I'm, um, I'm so intrigued. I thought that was a typo. So it's really going no, down at, at midnight. Midnight it starts at midnight Pacific time. Pacific time. That that's the one. That's the one that we're not thinking about. That's the one that we're not Pacific thinking. Pacific time is West time though. Pacific Pacific time is the same time as West time. So what? So what's what is the purpose? What is the reasoning for starting it that late or that early in the morning? Glitz, glamour, people out, the sights and sounds that you're going to find with these cars, dude. The coolest part of this is going to be, in my opinion, is, I mean, the race is going to be Max Verstappen's going to win this race by 20 seconds, like he always does. But man, when these cars start bottoming out on that street course and you see sparks, and there's going to be people everywhere, dude. There's going to be people everywhere right this I'm is just, going, this is going i'm thinking to be, about this from a sales perspective like I, I how are you maximizing your productivity in sales if you're doing it at midnight yeah well and and here's something else right there um i have seen this that 10 o'clock p.m and a lot of people in vegas are pissed off because i mean you've got streets blocked you've got i mean all this different stuff that has to happen for the infrastructure because this is like fucking right in the middle of town <laughs> yeah, anybody, that's been, anybody that's been to Vegas, you know, I mean, you got the strip and then from the strip, it takes you up to North Vegas. And that's where you have like, you know, you can go to your beer gardens and whatnot and, yeah. you know, all your restaurant yeah. or the nice, uh, I, I guess they would be historic um, restaurants and stuff like that. Yeah. Old Vegas. North Vegas is old yeah. Vegas. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, that's where your little, you know, mom and it's, pop shops are up there, man. So, yeah, this is going to be just a hellacious nightmare and a logistical. Ridiculous. It's, it really is. When NASCAR went to Chicago in June for a daytime street course race, people were talking about, oh, people are going to get shot. You know, people being people. Like, come on, man. People get this, shot. I, mean, this, I just don't understand. I just don't understand the logistics with this because one, from a marketing standpoint, it doesn't make sense because you're not getting as many eyes on, right? Because even if you're if you're talking about, you know, international racing, hell, it can't be it can't be later than 8 a.m. Uh, for right. what France? I mean, what is it? Nine hours or, or something? I'm, I'm not going to get into right. geological references for these, time zones and shit like that. These, but still, it's got to be like nine hours or something. It can't be that that beneficial for Europeans to watch this if we're flexing it at 10 p.m. These, these TV ratings, I think these TV ratings are going to be just absolutely unbelievable. And I think that what Formula One has done right here, and, and here's another great point from Jason, I think what Formula One has done right here, they are setting themselves up in something that NASCAR does where they're setting themselves up to fail in this thing. And the one thing that I've heard in the weeks leading up to this race is that um, the demand to go there has trickled back. I mean, I don't want, when is Trey coming back? Imagine if Trey's ass is stuck in this mess down there. <laughs> Holy moly. Oh, Trey might want to get lost in that mess. That's the thing. He might just want to get lost in that mess. All right, man, we do have uh, we do have some sound from Sarkeesian there. Of course, 
The Longhorns go up to Ames to take on Iowa State. The Cyclones are going to try and make a nasty storm for the Longhorns when we go up there. However, they're going to do so with that 3-3-5 defense that we talked a little bit about yesterday, right? And and you'd like to think that one of the most beneficial things that you can do against the 3-3-5 is take your ground and pound and basically just stuff it down the throats of the Iowa State Cyclones. Here's Sarkeesian on how to play against that 3-3-5 defense. What, what Iowa State does is they probably play it at its most purest form. Um, they really stick to it. They believe in it. Now they do a nice job of disguising and tying together the, the, the intricacies within the scheme, the disguising of coverages, the pressures based on formations and personnels, but they know it so well, and all of those players have grown up in it. Um, they've, had to, they've had to go through some of the growing pains when you put something new in. They did that years ago. Uh, so you have to be very detailed. Um, you, you have to be very deliberate in what you're trying to do. Um, our players need to understand it, and then they need to understand that this isn't just what they do. They have a variety of things that come off of what they do. And so, um, like I said, they do a great job. I think they do a great job of playing complementary football. You know, they uh, they believe in running the ball. They believe in a, in a, in a ball-control style offense. And so because they make you earn it offensively and then they possess the ball on offense, they don't turn it over. They start to limit your possessions. And so you have to be really efficient offensively and, and every possession you have to, there's, there's real value in those possessions. It's different than when you're playing a TCU who still runs that defense, but their offense is going as fast as they can go. So you end up mm-hmm. with 75 plays like we had the other night and you can live through some of that. These guys we, we may get 50, 55 plays Saturday night, and so we need to make sure that, that we make the most of those opportunities and make them count. Yeah, and yep. see, what he was talking about with this guy, this guy's in the three three five, right? They might bring, uh, you know, five rushers at one time and just show you with that that uh, that three-man front, right? And sometimes they might drop a, you know, a defensive linebacker or, you know, bring one of those, one of the linebackers off and then, you know, do a uh, – do his own blitz is what they, you know, an old school zone blitz is what they like to say. But yeah, there's a lot of multiple disguises that, that Campbell does with that three three five and what the Cyclones do with the three three five. There, um, I don't think it's going to be too difficult for the Longhorns. Like I said, man, you got the toys in the in the chest already. Just go ahead and use them, right? Banks and company, let's let's assemble the load up front here. And and hell, man, we say it. Every, we we said it the past three weeks, man. Run the damn book. Run the damn football, man. Stuff it down their throats, Rodney. Let's hear what you yeah. got. You know that that's a whole thing, man. If you had if you had a hellacious fall off that that you were you know going to be dealing with here, uh, obviously you have to be concerned. Uh, and now when you got Jared Hufford over there blowing smoke and talking shit, you know, you know, if anything, I mean, maybe that that just adds fuel to the fire. I mean, maybe that maybe that's what it takes to get four quarters out of this Texas football team. But you know. The bottom line is, you know, we say it, Wags, control the line of scrimmage, establish a running game, let the other stuff open itself up. And, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you this is going to be a cakewalk because, no, hell, nothing is a cakewalk. Even the ones that should be a cakewalk are not a cakewalk right now. But, right. I mean, it's, it's pretty simple, right? Win the line of scrimmage, run the ball, um, stop the run over on the other side, rush the passer. This is a pretty damn good freshman quarterback that, that – that Iowa State has right here. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, bad, is he? <laughs> you'd like to think that usually uh, what Iowa State really does do well though is run the ball. But you, but their success has been through the air right now. Yeah. Um, they, I've, I've told you they struggled a little bit um, with you know with uh, with one game here, but they you know they beat they beat the hell they beat the breaks out of BYU. They beat uh, Cincinnati pretty damn convincingly. Um, you know, West Virginia, they won. So, look, this is a team that can still get you if you don't do the little things sure. right. You just got to be able to go out there and, and take care of business, man. You can't be blowing leads, though, like we've no. done the past two. No. We didn't blow them. We squandered them, all right? If we we would have blown them, we would have lost, right? But uh, still, you got to be able to sit there and score in the second half. And the Longhorns struggle to do so, especially against TCU. Let's hear from Sarkeesian on the struggles that – why the struggles continue – uh, to play out and also the two blown lead. I think they're different. You know, you go to the Kansas State game, how did they get back in the game? We gave them the ball inside our own 20-yard line twice, right? I mean, and, and we got a pump blocks. And so we gave them a short field. They were able to score quickly. 
This game, they were getting play yards in chunks, and they were able to get down the field and score. Um, but but how do you get back into a game when you're behind by 20 points? You get quick scores. And so we have to minimize their ability to score quickly on defense but yet still remain aggressive. We can't let people get comfortable, and I think that we let them get comfortable. On the flip side, offensively, A, we have to possess the ball. And how do you possess it? One, you don't turn it over. Two, you extend drives on third down. And and turnovers two weeks ago, not converting third downs the other night. Third and makeables, third one, two, and threes. I mean, that that's what you ask for as a coach. And to go two for eight in those scenarios, uh, that's not good enough. We need to have a better plan, and then we need to execute the plan better. Yeah, also, Coach, you can't be going out there and giving up a 20-point lead in the fourth quarter or, excuse me, second half and not scoring any points, right? you got to be able to keep your foot on the gas pedal, like you like to say, in all gas, no brakes. And then – Going to the TCU game, right? The second, the penultimate, the penultimate series that we had, not the not the one where we ran out the game, not not the last series where we went on like the eight the eight play drive and ran the game out and ran the clock out there and and had pretty decent ball protection and uh and time uh you know time clock management. When you Go after when you allow the opposition to score, right? And then you go back and have a three and out and just do like some of the most boneheaded play calling. And it was conservative play calling too. But still, you have to be able to stay on the attack to go get uh, points that are needed to win this game. I've never understood why a defense that has played impressive and and fantastic the uh, the entire game continues to roll out prevent in the in the last what the last two sequences of their defense when they have a 14 point lead all you're doing is allowing the defense or excuse me allowing the offense to get free yardage 10 yards a pop that's how Oklahoma did it they got 10 yeah. yards a pop downfield and we didn't put up any type of pressure if you continue to dial up pressure and put the quarterback and move the quarterback off of his spot you're going to get in, in inaccurate uh play inconsistent quarterback play I don't know why they continue or why any defense continues to just rush three defensive three down linemen, three defensive linemen, and then drop everyone back with no pressure. There's not that many windows that you're taking away or that many passing lanes that you're taking away for the quarterback. If you have pressure on that quarterback, sure, you can you can take away some of the throwing lanes or the or he won't see, you know, all the beneficial throwing lanes, right? He won't see like where where the best pass is to to place the ball. However, if you don't get that pressure, man, he's just going to be able to sit back and, and blow your windows apart. It's stupid. I don't know why you don't dial up four or five man pressure and, and, and sit there and roll out pre I just think it, you know, that old adage, man, it prevents you from fucking losing. That's what it does. Well, it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. And I think so much, so much of what happens right there, Wags, when you, when a team does that, I'm not just going to single out Texas. When a team does that, when they kind of take their foot off the gas a little bit and they start doing prevent and all this other stuff, what, what does that allow the offense to do? It allows them to get into a rhythm. rhythm. I mean, whether, right? Whether it's going to be running the ball, whether it's running jet sweeps or, 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 you know, fly sweeps or whatever the hell it is, or you start throwing the ball down the middle of the field. I mean, you, you allow them to get in a cadence. You allow them to get in a, in a rhythm, and that's what's happened in these fourth quarters. I, I mean, no, no better example than we fucking saw Saturday. And that's just, <laughs> I feel like I feel like your defense gets into that mindset, right? Of oh, it's 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 all right, it's all right. It's just it's an eight yard gain. It's an eight yard gain. It's it's okay. No, that yeah. is not okay. No. That is not okay. No, it's, it's okay. We we no. didn't we didn't allow them to get behind us. We're, we're good. We're good. We're good. We still got the lead. We still got the lead. No, dude, you're allowing them to dictate flow of play. Not only are you allowing them to get into a cadence or get into a rhythm that you're talking about, you're also you're not just out there walking around as a defense. You're still going through the reps and going through the going through the movements too, right? You're getting exhausted. You're expending energy. You're still on that ball field, mm-hmm. I, and it's going to carry over into the next uh, sequence because. What happened with the Longhorns there against TCU? They went three and out, and that's what I was talking about when you had to walk off stage yes. just a little bit there. Um, but yeah, like you can't go give the ball back to the offense that just scored with a stupid, with a stupid scripted play calling, and allow you uh, to to not even get a first or to not allow yourself to get a first down and 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 continue at least to wear down the defense a little bit. You have got to get them. Uh, you've got to allow them to at least establish what. 
four or five minutes of, of, of time clock here to, to allow yourself to give your defense just a little bit of a break to, for a reprieve so that they don't get worn down consistently? That's and, and that's a point. I mean, go back and watch. I mean, TCU. I mean, these leads evaporate that right, fast. This, I'm, I'm, I'm con this is all. Uh, yeah, this is all yeah. focused on the TCU no, game right no, now. This right. is all I'm talking about. I'm no, not talking about the, the remainder no. of the season. I'm talking specifically about the TCU game. That that lead evaporates that fast. You, you talk about the defense. Yes, this is a very good defense. We can talk about Tavondre Soet. We can talk about Byron Murphy. We can talk about how great they are. But the whole thing is, man, when you get into these three and outs and boom, they're back on the field again. I mean, you're not doing your defense any favors right there if, if you get conservative with the play call and then you get conservative with some of the defensive stuff that you're now doing. Now, look, we, I mean, we, we want conservative play calling from time to time from certain season, but not when it's predictable, right? And, of course, you know, I'm sitting here saying, you know, I'm, I'm throwing everything up at the wall and pulling the best stuff off of it. That's what it sounds like I'm doing right now Rodney of course but still man you just I feel like you gotta know that when the time is right to call the player or sometimes it just doesn't feel like there's a good pulse on 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 the game it, that's just what it feels like to me like well, you, and, and breaking tendency from time to time Sark that's all the, I got the whole thing is I mean it just it, it just gets to I look there's a there's always a good time for conservative always a good time for conservative but there, there really is a fine line between conservative, but at the same time, conservative yet somewhat aggressive. You know, when when you start feeling, when you start feeling that momentum get away, when you start feeling, in this case, TCU, when you start feeling them getting into their rhythm, God bless America, do something different to go in there and and if anything, rattle them. And right. that's it goes back to you with pass rush. I mean, something like that. Go in, go in there to take that back. And that's that's I think why we see these games because because it is wags. I mean, think about the Houston game. Think about all of dude. It's like you blink. I mean, so many of these I've been driving. I've been driving, listening to these games, and it's like, holy, wait a minute. I stopped to take a piss. Yeah, that's I was that getting ready. Yeah, I went to go use the bathroom. Yeah, I went. I went to go use the bathroom at the at the dinner party I was at, and um, all of a sudden, you know, TCU had closed it down to three points. So yeah, uh, yeah. like I, I I was beside myself, man. And one more point before um, I want to get out here before Jeff Howell comes on. Yeah, no, you're um, good. the the defense, right? We were talking about how the defense and talking about like you know, not being able to establish pressure and allowing them to get in the prevent, right? Well, if you're, if the end game, if the goal is to not let them score, right? Like you, you don't want to allow points on the board, but usually it doesn't matter because if you continue to roll out the prevent, you're allowing 10 yards a pop and you're going to get down into that end zone. And usually that defense is so worn down by that time they break down. That's what the trends have been this, this, this year, so far this year, that defense has broken down. That's what we saw against Oklahoma too. They were broken down because they were so tired after giving up, you know, a damn yardage of uh, a field, a football field of yardage, right? They, uh, they continue to to break down into the damn red zone defense there, and then they allow the you know the six points. If that's going to be the outcome going forward, why not just put pressure on your defense anyway, or put pressure on the offense anyways? Dial up four or five man blitz or four or five man pressures, and then be able to to shake the quarterback off of his spot, yeah. or move the quarterback off of yeah. his spot, and then maybe who knows? Maybe you force the offense, you force the off opposition into a takeaway or into a turnover. Man, I don't know. That's just my thought. That's my philosophy. There, I have never been a fan. I ne never subscribed to the thought. Never subscribed to the philosophy of allowing offense to have free yardage. And maybe it's just me being a linebacker and being like motherfucker. Everything needs to be earned, anyways. Going up against me, but I've never been a fan of just sitting back, getting to a ten, you know. No. A damn five to seven seven foot drop as a linebacker and just allowing everything in front of me. I've just never been a fan of that. Always go bring the pressure to them and knock the people out, man. That's what I say. Look, you get to the end of these games and you've got the game in hand. You get to three minutes to go. You start switching personnel out. I mean, honestly, for me, if you're if you're ahead by thirty points, whatever the case is, you start switching personnel out. I mean, I think that you want to continue to to run what should be productive plays number one give your dudes some fucking reps i mean let those guys get 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 real-time reps let that happen and i mean number two get to two minutes to go yeah then do your victory formation then do all of that just don't let people back in the ball games and, and that's uh, I, I was going to talk i was going to talk with jeff about this I, I heard on 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 the game on sunday 
where you had the Cowboy game, Cowboy game well in hand. I mean, you had Cooper Rush in the ball game. You had Rico Dowdle that was in the ball game. Hell, you, at that point, you even had Deuce Vaughn in the ball game. You had different guys on the offensive line. And I heard Greg Olson saying, why are they continuing to run up the score? They were not running up the score. They were running plays that had the probability right. of producing positive yardage. And I think that's what needs to happen. And when here. you're doing it with your third, and that's the thing, and I, I love Greg Olson. I think Greg Olson's one of the best color analysts for the NFL right now, man. He's he's funny, he's fantastic, and he calls a great game, and he's very knowledgeable, right? But still, like, I I think the moment got away from him there. Like, if you were looking at the personnel in the field, man, they weren't running up the score. They were just calling plays that were getting them productivity. It's the defensive's job to stop them. And, of course, right. you're playing – you're playing the worst team in the NFL at the moment. So yeah, the Giants you know, aren't going to put if, up any type if, of fight. If you, that's a dude that played for the Carolina Panthers during some really lean years. <laughs> I think that was the whole, uh, kind of the whole synopsis of maybe uh, where that was coming from. Did but you I'm see, like, I got to pull this, I got to find the clip where he finds Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey, of course, uh, the leading rusher in the NFL right now, Derrick Henry right behind him. Um, but I got to find this clip of where Olsen sees Christian McCaffrey on the sideline. And it's not just a hug. I mean, it is a, oh, there's my guy. And then it's the embrace. And then it's just it's a squeeze. And I'm going to give you a big, mighty bear hug, dude. It is Dry humped him or what? What's that? Dry humped him or what? It, it, it kind of felt like that. It, it kind of felt, well, it didn't, I didn't feel it. But it kind of <laughs> looked like that. It did, so now Wags uh, we got dry It's time for it's only an hour right now. Guys, I got a webinar I got to get to, man. So I got to leave you guys cooking, man. Hopefully you guys have a great day. Everybody, thank you for watching Chaos Theory and the rest of the shows. Love y'all, man. Hook them.